Thank you, James, and uh, wonderful to see all of you. Um, I was just thinking, uh, what an amazing thing that I've seen many of you for 30 and even 40 years, and we continue to press on. And, and some of you, of course, have come in the last uh, little while, and we're thrilled about that, and we're believing for many, many more to be added to our number. I was uh, prayerfully thinking about the service, and uh, one of the things I wanted to do right at the beginning here is to bring a testimony of thanksgiving. You'll all remember about a year ago, uh, August the 15th, Kabul fell, and we had uh, about 46 workers that had worked with World Compassion that were desperate to leave Kabul, and so we've been involved with that process for the past year, and there was an incredibly generous offering received here at TCF to help with the resettling of the partners, uh, of the, uh, the workers that we've worked with. And uh, on Friday, just two days ago, I, I received two emails and uh, another one just a couple of days prior. But let me just read one of these, uh, the gratitude that is expressed here. Dear Brother Joel to World Compassion Team, Praise God, we arrived in Canada. I wanted to share you this wonderful news because this never happened without your help and support, and you're very much a part of that. I really appreciate all your financial and spiritual support during this time. The work you have done for me and my family is really valuable to me. You did not leave us alone during those hard and difficult days. You helped us with all your might and saved us from that difficult situation in the most difficult moments in Afghanistan when we had no hope and saw, saw no future for our children. Also, while we were in the camp during the one year, you did your best and supported us financially, spiritually, and when we were mentally tired, you prayed for us, encouraged us, and reminded us of God's promises so that we could rest. I have never experienced such love in my life. I know that all this love comes from our Lord. Through this message, I want to thank everyone for their support and love to me and my family during this time. You gave us hope and a better future. You saved our children from a dark future. This is very much appreciated by me. I will never forget this. So you can, uh, you can imagine what joy it was for me and for our team to hear from Hadi. I met him uh, a number of times up in Bamiyan province. He was uh, in a very tough place, and God uh, delivered him. Uh, and uh, of all the families that we've been able to help, there are uh, three more families still in Abu Dhabi. and We pray God will make a way for them as well. So, uh, as uh, James prayed, I'm believing the Lord is going to lead me even as, as I share some thoughts with you this morning. Father, I still add to that prayer that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth will be acceptable in your sight, my Lord and my God, in Jesus' name, amen. If I were to uh, 
give you one phrase that I'd like to leave with you today and for the rest of your life. It is this, keep up your courage. Let me read Paul's uh, testimony from the shipwreck. You, you know it well, but it's an amazing testimony. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the, of the God whom, whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Some of you probably uh, can relate to the story. You're going through a storm. It's been difficult, unimaginably difficult. But I want to encourage you today, keep up your courage. The words of Isaiah, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I believe it was in God's sovereign and eternal plan that we would live in this moment of history. We're in uncharted waters, and it seems like the world is turning upside down, and what's happening today we would have not even imagined, maybe 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. And yet, we, we have a couple of options. We can moan and groan and think how terrible things are, or we can recognize that we were born for this season for a reason, to be the shining light of the gospel to everyone around us. And we all know that the darker things get, the brighter even one candle shines. And so we have a great and amazing opportunity, and we need to keep up our courage. I want to tell you a, a couple of examples of men and women of courage and then just talk a little bit about what courage is. And then I want to really share with you a lot of scripture today uh, that will encourage you, I believe, to keep up your courage. I was uh, with uh, Terry Law in 2007. I'll always remember that meeting because I came back to Tulsa and my father went on to be with the Lord three days later. So that is riveted in my mind. But we were at uh, Lambeau Field where the Green Bay Packers play. 
it was a citywide meeting. Terry had been invited as one of the speakers. And uh, there were, it's, it's a stadium that seats about 65,000. There were probably 11, 12, maybe 15,000 max there. So it seemed like a small crowd, but really it was, it, was a, it was a good crowd. And one of the speakers got up, and I thought, you know, what a great moment for, for this man to bring a stirring message. And he got up and for probably 45 minutes just read scripture after scripture in a, in a quiet way and allowed that word to just wash over us and for us to meditate on it. And so I'd like to read, in a similar vein, a lot of scripture of the promises of God, why we have every reason to keep up our courage and to go on valiantly to do the work that God has called us to do. I was on a Zoom call, uh, one of many listening to a brother from Iran. I'll be very accurate to say that he has been in Iran until two months ago. He had to, had to leave because of great pressure from the government. But he was talking about why the church in Iran is growing so rapidly right now. He explained that there is in every Iranian home a, uh, a saying that goes something like this. I think I wrote it down here somewhere. There is only one way. That way is the truth. He said that uh, Iranians have held on to that motto for 3,500 years. And so when... Uh, the Shah was deposed 44 years ago in 1979. You will remember it, many of you. There was this great excitement among most Iranians. They were promised the real Islam and that they would be given the truth, that the lies and the uh, scandals and the corruption would be done away with. But in fact, the opposite happened. There was... Uh, tremendous ongoing corruption and very quickly in the next year or two many Iranians were very disillusioned but this motto continues in their hearts to know the truth and uh, what was remarkable is they noticed among Christians in Iran this great boldness under great persecution uh, even like one week after uh, the Islamic regime was put in place, one of the leading Christian pastors was executed. Uh, the brother that was speaking on the Zoom call, his father was executed sometime after that. And he said, uh, my father had a choice to make. He was given the choice to recant what he was saying or face the death penalty, and he said, I can't do that. I stand for what I've preached. Jesus Christ is my Lord, and he was executed. But my brother on the phone, on the Zoom call, said, "After our, we were a small fellowship then, maybe, maybe 12, 15 people. Within a week or two, we, we've doubled in size, and, and so it goes. And so Iranians were watching and, and being incredibly impressed by the uh, truth of the lives of these Christians. And uh, 
The brother on the phone has been distributing Bibles. We, we bring Bibles into Iran, have been for the last 10 years. And he, he has himself been personally involved in 100,000 Bibles being distributed. And he, he basically told his testimony of how precious a Bible is in Iran. He said when he was uh, a boy in high school, I think the family had one Bible, and he wanted his own. Everybody had the dream of having your, your own Bible. And so he uh, very laboriously transcribed the family Bible. It took him two years. But uh, he then had his own Bible. And he talked about how he was able to uh, put on uh, uh, or, or develop software to get a digital version later on that was made available to Iranians uh, quite readily. But he said there was always the dream that I could have my own Bible in my hands. And so uh, that dream of knowing the truth, Iranians are overjoyed when they read the scriptures for the first time. You know that uh, the Quran is in Arabic. They speak Persian, Farsi. They, they have their Bible, the, the Bible in Farsi in their language, and they're getting to read it, and they're getting to hear the truth of the gospel, and their lives are being transformed. So great things are happening in Iran as we sang about the nations. So let's continue to pray for these heroes as they share the gospel. He said in 25 years, no one has refused to receive a Bible, and Bibles are being distributed all around his uh, cover was blown a couple of months ago, and so he had to go into hiding in country. And he traveled. He said it was an incredible blessing. He traveled for two months all across Iran in very small locations, and he found in every place he went small groups of believers. And when they heard that he was coming, they said, you're welcome to stay with us. So he had hospitality in the homes of Christians all across the country as he traveled. But... Uh, just a, a, a great testimony of the power of the gospel and how Iranians are so excited about finding the truth. It's like they got this incredible meal. They can't not share it, and they want to share it with others. And one Bible can transform many, many, many people. I want to mention two other heroes really quickly, and then I want to just read some scripture to you. Uh, many of you uh, watched uh, Queen Elizabeth's funeral, and uh, I've, and Ruthie and I have been in England uh, many times over the years, and we've worked out of England. Natasha was born at St. Mary's Hospital in Manchester. So we, we have this sense of love for the British people, and so, so many, many times I would ask about the Queen from Christians in England, is she, a, is she a follower of Christ? And they would always say she is. And so uh, let me just read a quote from the queen. Uh, she would give a Christmas message. And, and why this is so significant, I heard that up to 2 billion, with a B, up to 2 billion people saw her funeral. It was an incredibly powerful Christian witness. Uh, but this is from her own words from a Christmas message way back in 2000. To many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. 
I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. And example. In her funeral services, uh, Psalm 23, Psalm 41, Psalm 121 uh, were, were included. A new hymn was written from Romans 8.35, Who Shall Separate Us from the Love of Christ? So uh, I think we should continue to pray that those who heard in Iran and many other places the testimony of the Queen's life will be even further spurred to look for the truth, the truth that she had found. And then uh, I do have to mention uh, Brother Andrew. He preached from this pulpit. Some of, how many heard Brother Andrew preach from this pulpit? Uh, he went on to be with the Lord last week. He's known as God's smuggler. He famously said, uh, I'm not an evangelical stuntman. I am just an ordinary guy. What I did, anyone can do. And as you know, he brought hundreds of thousands of Bibles into Eastern Europe. He prayed uh, this amazing prayer as he would arrive at Communist Border Post. Lord, in my luggage, I have scripture that I want to take to your children across the border. When you were on earth, you made the blind eyes see. Now I pray you make the seeing eyes blind. Do not let the guards see those things you do not want them to see. You all remember that Brother Andrew uh, then went on to establish Open Doors, and we have a very close relationship ongoing with Open Doors. So a hero that went time after time after time in his Volkswagen Beetle and many other creative ways and carried the truth of the gospel into Eastern Europe. I looked up uh, the word courage and bravery. You know, we often use those, or, or sometimes at least, uh, interchangeably, and, and there's actually a, a difference. Courage involves the presence of fear while bravery lacks it. I'll give you an example, a, a military example. A guy jumps on a grenade to save his buddies. He didn't contemplate what it would cost. He just, he's just say that, that's, that's an act of bravery. Whereas uh, in uh, courage, there's, there's, uh, uh, it's, it's more of a virtue. Courage doesn't necessarily come with an absence of fear. In fact, being courageous normally involves taking action in spite of fear. It's knowing full well that something will will be dangerous or hard, but doing it anyway. Bravery tends to be more spontaneous, whereas courage comes with a high degree of choice and forethought. So anyway, uh, what I'm wanting to, as I said, stress this morning is to keep up our courage. Joshua one of the greatest military leaders, not only of Israel, but in the entire world, uh, was uh, Moses' chosen successor. And Moses spoke to him. Uh, and uh, the phrase, uh, strong and courageous, was repeated about six times in Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1. 
Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You do not forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For those of you who uh, have often come to the Wednesday night meetings, you remember Carl Eason often prayed this prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, you promise you'll never leave us or forsake us. And that is the truth. The promise is to every child of God, despite the storm you may be going through right now, if you have embraced Jesus as Lord, know for absolute, for sure, he will never leave you or forsake you. I was at a uh, Good Sam banquet just a couple of weeks ago. Billy Wilson preached a, a really wonderful but brief message from Acts 28. And uh, when, when he came to the portion, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. And he mentioned just in passing the four anchors that we have as believers are the promises of God, uh, the presence of God, the peace of God, and the power of God. And so I'd, I'd like to borrow his outline in, in that sense and spend the last uh, part of this message just reviewing God's word, the promises of God, why we should be greatly encouraged because of the thousands of promises in his word. Uh, there was a, uh, didn't recognize the name, but a theologian that studied how many promises are actually in scripture. Jim, maybe you can help us on this, but there was, uh, he suggested over 8,000 promises. Uh, I mean, so that, that's, that's just, just amazing. But let me just read uh, some scripture to you now, and I pray it will wash over you and that you will hold on to it. Maybe one or, or, or several of these scriptures will just just be a, a rhema word, a, a word that God has for you right now. Let's uh, start with our commander's standing orders. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And now hear this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for, for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Martin Luther, when he read this, he was in a great anguish and struggle uh, 
and he saw it, the just shall live by faith. And that was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation in Europe. Hebrews six nineteen and 20. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and there was a a cry from so many, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all whom the Lord our God will call. We actually sang this passage just a a little earlier. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Here's one of my favorite lifetime passages, 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, 
I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Luke 21.33 Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Paul in Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 8, 20, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans eight thirty one. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.35, which was uh, included in a hymn at Queen Elizabeth's uh, memorial service. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We sang about the nations just earlier. Revelation 12:11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked, and there before me uh, was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing their robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Second Corinthians 10, 3-5 For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Second Peter 1, 3 through 10. I've been camping around this passage, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10, over the last several months. I, uh, I might read it 
in my devotional time four out of five mornings. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling an election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if you do these things, you will never fall. From the lips of Peter, he denied the Lord, and he teaches us, if you'll do these things, you'll never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are 8,000 promises. Let me just read one more, and I'm going to leave this scripture to work in our hearts. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. As we finish here, let me just read this one more scripture. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Bill prayed that theme. You know, we walk in peace, a peace 
that comes because of the presence of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, a peace that we can't explain. And so I pray God's peace over all of you. Let me tell you one more. I believe it to be a true story. If you look up Abraham Lincoln, he talked about the tightrope walker. But there was a tightrope walker, one of the greatest ever, that stretched a tightrope across the Niagara Gorge. Anybody been to Niagara Falls here? You need to go if you haven't. It's an amazing place. And uh, he, he did, I mean, amazing stunts. He would go over, back again. Uh, I think one time he, he cooked his breakfast right on, on, the, on, the, on the wire. And then uh, he took a wheelbarrow, pushed it across the gorge. And then, of course, people were just, just amazed, screaming and excited. And uh, then uh, he said, how many of you believe that I can put a person in this wheelbarrow and I can push him across the gorge over the Niagara Falls? And everybody said, yeah, we believe you can do it. Absolutely. We've already seen all these amazing things. And so there's this young lady. She's got her hand waving in the breeze. And he says, young lady, get in here. We're going to go for a ride. And she pulled her hand down. She says, I can't do it. She says, he said, why not? You said, you believe? I said, I, I believe, but, but what, if, what, what if we fall? I'll, that'll be the end of me. And uh, so the invitation of the gospel is this. God's word is true. And even on this morning, you have the opportunity to get into the wheelbarrow, to trust in the God of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. And he will guide you through every storm and every challenge. And so, Father, I pray now as we prepare to leave that if there's even one person here today that has never fully believed in Jesus, embraced him, repented of his sins, and uh, has followed in steps of baptism to be baptized into Christ. Lord, if there's anyone who has not made a full decision to receive Christ, I pray that they will do so today and uh, be transformed into a new creature in Christ and become a member of God's royal family. In Jesus' name, amen.